Hello, thanks for choosing to listen to this drama. This is a quick message before we get started, but I promise I'll be brief. I'm Noel from Boxtail Soup, and if you don't know us, we're a UK theatre company creating original adaptations with a unique style. Have a look at our website for more. At the beginning of 2020, we had a full calendar and possibly our busiest and most exciting year ahead. But of course, when COVID-19 arrived, everything changed for almost everyone. For us, that meant all performances were cancelled, and no shows means no income from tickets at all. Since we couldn't get out and perform, we decided to create the piece of work you're listening to now. It's a new format for us, and we've learned a lot of new skills along the way. After a lot of discussion, we decided to make this available without an upfront cost, so that anyone could enjoy it, no matter what their circumstances. During the lockdown, some people are doing okay financially and some people have lost work and don't have anything to spare. Believe me, we understand that. However, this recording isn't free. It's taken us a lot of time and effort to put it together. So what we're asking for in return is your help. If you can afford the price of a ticket, we hope you'll make a £5 donation. And maybe if two of you listen together, perhaps you can make that £5 each. If you can afford to, and you'd like to support the company further, please consider becoming a patron and making a regular donation every month. That would make a huge difference in helping Boxtail Soup survive this crisis to keep making work in the future. And it also gives you access to a few goodies that aren't available anywhere else. And if you don't have any money, if you can't afford to make any donation, we still hope that you'll listen and enjoy the show. There's another way to help us. Spread the word, share the show, Tweet about it, Facebook, Instagram about it, talk to other people face-to-face about it, let them know, and maybe they'll buy a ticket in return. We wanted to make this available for everyone, regardless of their circumstances, in the hope that if you enjoy it, you'll help in whatever way you can. We love what we do, and we hope you do too. We want to make sure Boxtail Soup is still around the next time we get a chance to perform live in front of you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll Adapted by Boxtail Soup Alice was beginning to get very tired of sitting by her sister on the bank and of having nothing to do. Once or twice she had peeped into the book her sister was reading but it had no pictures or conversations in it. And what is the use of a book without pictures or conversation? So she was considering in her own mind whether the pleasure of making a daisy chain would be worth the trouble of getting up and picking the daisies, when suddenly a white rabbit with pink eyes ran close by her. Oh dear, oh dear, I shall be late. Then the rabbit actually took a watch out of its waistcoat pocket, looked at it and hurried on. Goodness, I've never before seen a rabbit with either a waistcoat pocket or a watch to take out of it. Burning with curiosity, Alice ran across the field after it, and fortunately was just in time to see it pop down a large rabbit hole under the hedge. In another moment, down went Alice after it, never once considering how in the world she was to get out again. The rabbit hole went straight on like a tunnel for some way, and then dipped suddenly down, so suddenly that Alice had not a moment to think about stopping herself before she found herself falling down and down and down. Wow! 
after such a fall as this, I shall think nothing of tumbling downstairs. How brave they'll all think me at home. Why, I wouldn't say anything about it, even if I fell off the top of the house. Down, down, down. Will this fall never come to an end? Down, down, down. Oh, I wonder how many miles I've fallen by this time. I must be getting somewhere near the centre of the earth. I wonder what latitude or longitude I've got to. Alice had no idea what latitude was, or longitude either, but thought they were nice, grand words to say. Then suddenly, thump, thump. Down she came upon a heap of sticks and dry leaves, and the fall was over. She was not a bit hurt, and she jumped up onto her feet in a moment. Oh, my ears and whiskers! Oh, how late it's getting! Mr Rabbit, wait! Wait! Oh, please wait! Mr Ra! Bit. She was close behind the rabbit when she turned the corner, but he was no longer to be seen. She found herself in a long, low hall, with doors all around, but they were all locked. When Alice had been all the way down one side and up the other, trying every door, she walked sadly down the middle, wondering how she was ever to get out again. Suddenly, she came upon a little three-legged table, all made of solid glass, and there was nothing upon it except a tiny golden key. I wonder which door this belongs to. Goodness, over there, a tiny door. Surely that must be it. Alice tried the little golden key in the lock, and to her great delight, it fit. She opened the door and knelt down to peer through the tiny hole. Why, this is the loveliest garden I've ever seen. How I should love to wander about among those beds of bright flowers and those cool fountains. But oh, I cannot even get my head through this tiny doorway. And even if it would go through, it would be of very little use without my shoulders. Oh, how I wish I could shut up like a telescope. I think I could, if only I knew how to begin. For you see, so many out-of-the-way things had happened lately that Alice had begun to think that very few things indeed were really impossible. There seemed to be no use in waiting by the little door, so she went back to the table, half hoping she might find another key on it, or at any rate a book of rules for shutting people up like telescopes. This time she found a little bottle. This bottle certainly wasn't here before. And what's this written on the label? Drink me. No, I'll check first and see whether it's marked poison or not. For if you drink much from a bottle marked poison, it's almost certain to disagree with you sooner or later. The bottle was not marked poison, so Alice ventured to taste it. Mmm, cherry tart, mm, custard, pineapple, roast turkey, toffee, ooh, and hot buttered toast. What a curious feeling. I must be shutting up like a telescope. And so it was indeed. She was now only ten inches high and decided on going into the garden at once. But alas for poor Alice, when she got to the door, she found she had forgotten the little golden key. And when she went back to the table for it, 
she found she could not possibly reach it. She tried her best to climb up one of the legs of the table, but it was too slippery. Oh, it's no good. I just can't reach. (laughs) Oh, come. There's no use in crying like that. I advise you to leave off this minute. She generally gave herself very good advice, though she very seldom followed it. At that moment, her eye fell on a little glass box that was lying under the table. She opened it and found in it a very small cake, on which the words, Eat me, were beautifully marked in currants. Eat me? Well, I'll eat it, and if it makes me grow larger, I can reach the key. And if it makes me grow smaller, I can creep under the door. So either way, I'll get into the garden, and I don't care which happens. Mmm. 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 Delicious. Mmm. Mmm. Curiouser and curiouser. Now I'm opening out like the largest telescope that ever was. Goodbye, feet. Oh, my poor little feet. I wonder who will put on your shoes and stockings for you now, dears. I'm sure I shan't be able. I shall be a great deal too far off to trouble myself about you. You must manage the best way you can. Just then, her head struck against the roof of the hall. In fact, she was now more than nine feet high. And she at once took up the little golden key and hurried off to the garden door. Poor Alice. It was as much as she could do, lying down on one side, to look through into the garden with one eye. But to get through was more hopeless than ever. She sat down and began to cry again. No! I'm just too big! Oh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself! A great girl like you to go on crying this way! <laughs> oh, stop this moment, I tell you! But she went on all the same, shedding gallons of tears, until there was a large pool all around her, about four inches deep and reaching half down the hall. Suddenly, she heard a little pattering of feet in the distance. She hastily dried her eyes to see what was coming, It was the white rabbit returning, splendidly dressed, with a pair of white kid gloves in one hand and a large fan in the other. He came trotting along in a great hurry, muttering to himself as he came. Oh, the Queen! Oh, the Queen! Oh, won't she be savage if I kept her waiting? If you please, sir. Oh, my! The rabbit dropped the white kid gloves in the fan and scurried away into the darkness as fast as he could go. Alice picked up the fan and gloves, and, as she was now very hot from all that crying, she began to fan herself. Ah, that's better. Curiouser curiouser. I seem to be growing small again. The white rabbit's fan, it's making me shrink. She got up and went to the table to measure herself by it, and found that, as nearly as she could guess, She was now about two feet high and was going on shrinking rapidly. She hastily dropped the fan just in time to avoid shrinking away altogether. That was a narrow escape. 
As she said these words, her foot slipped, and in another moment, splash, she was up to her chin in salt water. Oh, I wish I hadn't cried so much. I shall be punished for it now, I suppose, by being <gasps> drowned in my own tears. Oh, that will be a curious thing to be sure. However, everything is curious today. Just then, she heard something splashing about in the pool a little way off, and she swam nearer to make out what it was. At first she thought it must be a walrus or a hippopotamus, but then she remembered how small she was now, and soon she made out that it was only a mouse that had slipped in like herself. Oh, mouse? Mouse? Do you know the way out of this pool? Mouse? Perhaps it doesn't understand English. I dare say it's a French mouse, come over with William the Conqueror. Ooh-eh-ma-shat! The mouse gave a sudden leap out of the water and seemed to quiver all over with fright. Oh, I beg your pardon. I quite forgot you don't like cats. Not like cats. Would you like cats if you were me? The mouse began swimming away from her as hard as it could go and making quite a commotion in the pool as it went. Mouse, dear! come back again. We won't talk about cats if you don't like them. Alice swam after the mouse, for it was high time to go. The pool was getting quite crowded with the birds and animals that had fallen into it. There was a duck and a dodo and several other curious creatures. Alice led the way and the whole party swam to the shore. They were indeed a strange looking party that assembled on the bank. The duck and Dodo with their draggled feathers, the mouse with her fur clinging close to her, and all dripping, wet, cross and uncomfortable. The first question, of course, was how to get dry again, and the mouse, who seemed to be a person of authority among them, soon took charge. Sit down, all of you, and listen to me. I'll soon make you dry enough. <clears throat> Are you all ready? This is the driest thing I know. A silence all round, if you please. William the Conqueror, whose cause was favoured by the Pope, was soon submitted to by the English. Oh, I beg your pardon, Duck. Did you speak? Oh, not I. It was the Dodo. Hmm, I thought it was you. Anyway, I proceed. Stigand. The Archbishop of Canterbury found it advisable. Stigand! Found what? Found it, Dodo. Of course, you know what it means. Stigand? No, Duck, but I know what it means well enough. When I find it, it is generally a frog or a worm. The question is, what did the Archbishop find? Stigand! Found it advisable to go with Edgar Aetheling. Now, how are you getting on, my dear? As wet as ever, I'm afraid. Stigand. In that case, I move that the meeting adjourn for the immediate adoption of more energetic remedies. Oh, speak English. I don't know the meaning of half of those long words. And what's more, I don't believe you do either. What I was going to say was... The best way to get us dry would be a caucus race. What is a caucus race? Why, the best way to explain it is to do it. On your marks, 
Get set. Go! First, the dodo marked out a race course in a sort of circle. The exact shape doesn't matter. Then Alice, the duck, the dodo and the mouse were placed along the course here and there. There was no one, two, three and away, but they all began running when they liked and wherever they liked, so that it was not easy to know when the race was over. However, when they had been running half an hour or so, they were quite dry again. The race is over. But who has won? Well, everybody has won, and everybody must have prizes. Oh, yes, prizes. Oh, but who is to give the prizes? Why, uh, she is, of course. Oh, yes, yes, prizes, prizes. Oh, don't keep us waiting. But I'm afraid I don't have any prizes. What? Oh, uh, no prizes? Well, really, child, one should never enter a caucus race without being certain of having appropriate prizes to award. I mean, really, you should know better. I, for one, would never think of doing such a thing, let alone dream of it. I really am very disappointed in you. Come, Dodo, Duck, it's time for us to leave. Wait! Wait! Oh, please come back! I'm sure I can find something! But the mouse only shook its head impatiently, and they all walked away a little quicker. And here poor Alice began to cry again, for she felt very lonely and low-spirited. <laughs> in a little while, however, she again heard a little pattering of footsteps in the distance, and she looked up eagerly. It was the white rabbit, trotting slowly back again, and looking anxiously about as it went, as if it had lost something, and she heard it muttering to itself, Oh, the Queen, the Queen, oh, my dear paws, oh, my fur and whiskers, she'll get me executed as sure as ferrets are ferrets. Oh, wait, wait, please, Mr. Rabbit, wait! Alice pursued the rabbit, but quickly found it was nowhere to be seen. When she stopped to look around her, Everything seemed to have changed since her swim in the pool, and the great hall with the little door had vanished completely. She now found herself in a large flower bed with a border of daisies and a willow tree growing in the middle. Oh, Tiger Lily, I wish you could talk. We can talk. When is anybody worth talking to? Oh, and can all the flowers talk? As well as all can, and a great deal louder. Isn't that so, Rose? Quite so, Tiger Lily. But it isn't manners for us to begin, you know. And I really was wondering when you'd speak. Said I to myself, her face has got some sense in it, though it's not a clever one. If only her petals curled up a bit more, she'd be all right. Aren't you sometimes frightened at being planted out here with nobody to take care of you? There's the tree in the middle. What else is it good for? But what could it do if any danger came? It says Bow Wow. That's why its branches are called bows. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Silence, daisies. Every one of you. Oh, they know I can't get at them. Otherwise they wouldn't dare do it. Never mind. Daisies, 
If you don't hold your tongues, I'll pick you. <laughs> That's right. Well, the daisies are the worst of all. When one speaks, they all begin together. And it's enough to make one wither to hear the way they go on. How is it you can all talk so... Huh? Nicely. I've been in many gardens before, but none of the flowers could talk. Put your hand down and feel the ground. It's very hard, but I don't see what that has to do with it. In most gardens, they make the beds too soft, so that the flowers are always asleep. Oh, I never thought of that before. (laughs) It's my opinion you never think at all. I never saw anybody that looked stupider. Hold your tongues. Have any of you seen a white rabbit pass this way? And if we had, why should we tell you? Why, yes, my dear. He went off through the trees and into the wood. Oh, thank you. I think I'll go and meet him. (laughs) You can't possibly do that. I should advise you to walk the other way. This sounded nonsense to Alice, so she said nothing but set off at once into the wood to find the white rabbit. She went on and on a long way, but wherever the road divided, there were sure to be two finger posts pointing the same way, one marked to Tweedledum's house and the other to the house of Tweedledee. Curiouser and curiouser. Oh, I do believe that they live in the same house. So she wandered on, talking to herself as she went, till, on turning a sharp corner, she came upon two round little men. Goodness! You must be Tweedledum and Tweedledee. If you think we're waxworks, you ought to pay, you know. Waxworks weren't made to be looked at for nothing, no how. Or contrariwise, if you think we're alive, you ought to speak. I'm sure I'm very sorry. Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Tweedledum and Tweedledee agreed to have a battle. For Tweedledum, said Tweedledee, had spoiled his nice new rattle. Just then flew down a monstrous crow as black as a tar barrel, which frightened both the heroes so they quite forgot their quarrel. I know what you're thinking about, but it isn't so, no how. Well, contrary-wise, if it was so, it might be, and if it were so, it would be, but as it isn't, it ain't. That's logic. I was thinking, which way is the best way out of this wood? I was hoping to find the white rabbit, but now it's getting so dark. Would you tell me, please? Wrong. The first thing in a visit is to say... How do you do? Shake hands. Oh, I do beg your pardon. How do you do? No how, and thank you very much for asking. So much obliged. Do you like poetry? Yes, pretty well. Some poetry. Would you mind telling me which road leads out of the wood? Now, what shall I repeat to her? The walrus and the carpenter is the longest. The walrus and the carpenter. If it's very long, would you mind please telling me first which road leads... The walrus and the carpenter were walking close at hand. 
They wept like anything to see such quantities of sand. If this were only clear away, they said it would be grand. Your turn, miss. Oh, if this were only cleared away, they said it would be grand. Very nice. Oh, oysters come and walk with us, the walrus did beseech. A pleasant walk, a pleasant talk along the briny beach. We cannot do with more than four to give a hand to each. We cannot do with more than four to give a hand to each. A loaf of bread, the walrus said, is what we chiefly need. Pepper and vinegar besides are very good indeed. Now, now if you're ready, oysters still we can begin to feed. Now if you're ready, oysters still we can begin to feed. But not on us, the oysters cried, turning a little blue. After such kindness, it would be. Fine, the walrus said, Do you admire the view? The night is fine, the walrus said, Do you admire the view? I weep for you, the walrus said, I deeply sympathize. With sobs and tears, he sorted out those of the largest size. Holding his pocket handkerchief before his streaming eyes. Holding his pocket handkerchief before his streaming eyes. Give me that. Oh, oysters, said the carpenter, you've had a pleasant run. Shall we be heading home again? But answer came then none. And that was scarcely up because they'd eaten everyone. And that was scarcely up because they'd eaten everyone. Oh, I like the walrus best because you see he was a little sorry for the poor oysters. He ate more than the carpenter though. Then I like the carpenter best if he didn't eat so many as the walrus. But he ate as many as he could get. Well, they were both very unpleasant characters. <gasps> Do you see that? That? It's only a rattle, not a rattlesnake, you know. Oh, I knew it was. It's spoiled, of course. You needn't be so angry about an old rattle. Oh, but it ain't old. It's new, I tell you. I bought it yesterday. Oh, my nice new rattle. Of course, you agree to have a battle. I suppose so. But there's only one sword, you know. You can have the umbrella. It's quite as sharp. Only we must begin quick. It's getting dark as it can. And darker. What a thick black cloud that is. And how fast it comes. Why, I do believe it's got wings. It's the crow. Two brothers took to their heels and were out of sight in a moment. Alice ran a little way into the wood and stopped under a large mushroom. Oh, it can never get me here. It's far too large to squeeze itself in. But I wish it wouldn't flap its wings so. It's making quite a hurricane in the wood. Who are you? 
Alice climbed out from underneath the mushroom, stretched herself up on tiptoe, and peeped over the edge. Her eyes immediately met those of a large caterpillar. It was sitting on top of the mushroom, with its arms folded, quietly smoking a long hookah. Who are you? I... I hardly know, sir, just at present. At least, I know who I was when I got up this morning, but I think I must have been changed several times since then. What do you mean by that? Explain yourself. I can't explain myself, I'm afraid, sir, because I'm not myself, you see. I don't see. I'm afraid I can't put it more clearly than that, for I can't understand it myself to begin with, and being so many different sizes in a day is very confusing. It isn't? Well, perhaps you haven't found it so yet, but when you have to turn into a chrysalis, you will someday, you know, and then after that into a butterfly, I should think you'll feel it a little odd, won't you? Not a bit. (laughs) Well... Perhaps your feelings may be different. All I know is it would feel very odd to me. Uh, Yes, you. Who are you? I think you ought to tell me who you are first. Why? Here was another puzzling question. And as Alice could not think of any good reason, and as the caterpillar seemed to be in a very unpleasant state of mind, she turned and walked away. Come back! I've something important to say. This sounded promising, so Alice turned and came back again. Keep your temper. Is that all? No. So, you think you're changed, do you? I'm afraid I am, sir. I can't remember things as I used to, and... Ah! Can't remember what things. Recite, you are old, Father William. You are old, Father William, the young man said, and your hair has become very white. And yet you incessantly stand on your head. Do you think at your age it is right? In my youth, Father William replied to his son, I fear it might injure the brain. But now that I'm perfectly sure I have none, why I do it again and again. That is not said right. Not quite right, I'm afraid. Some of the words have got altered. It was wrong from beginning to end. What size do you want to be? I'm not particular as to size, only one doesn't like changing so often, you know. I don't know. Are you content now? Well, I should like to be a little larger, sir, if you wouldn't mind. Three inches is such a wretched height to be. (gasps) It is a very good height indeed. I am exactly three inches high. But I'm not used to it. Oh, I do wish the creatures wouldn't be so easily offended. (laughs) Well, you'll get used to it. In time. The caterpillar put the hooker back in its mouth and began smoking again. This time Alice waited patiently until it chose to speak again. 
In a minute or two, the caterpillar took the hooker out of its mouth and yawned once or twice and shook itself. Then it got down off the mushroom and crawled away in the grass, merely remarking as it went, One side will make you grow taller, and the other side will make you grow shorter. One side of what? The other side of what? Of the mushroom! The mushroom? But now, which side is which? Alice set to work very carefully, nibbling first at one piece of the mushroom and then at the other, and growing sometimes taller and sometimes shorter, until she had succeeded in bringing herself to her usual height. It was so long since she had been anything near the right size that it felt quite strange at first, but she got used to it in a few minutes and began talking to herself as usual. How puzzling all these changes are! I'm never sure what I'm going to be from one minute to another. However, I've got back to my right size. The next thing is to find the white rabbit and get into that beautiful garden. How is that to be done, I wonder? Oh, goodness! There he goes now! Oh, oh, the queen, the queen! Oh, I'm late, I'm late! Oh, Mr Rabbit, please wait! Oh, dear! Oh, I can't stop, child. I'm already late. And if I keep her waiting, the Queen, oh, the Queen will have me executed, as sure as ferrets are ferrets. Oh, dear. Poor Mr. Rabbit. Oh, goodness! Alice was a little startled by seeing a large cat sitting on a bough of a tree a few yards off, grinning from ear to ear. It looked good-natured, she thought. Still... It had very long claws and a great many teeth, so she felt that it ought to be treated with respect. She approached it rather timidly. Please would you tell me why you keep grinning like that? I'm a Cheshire cat, and that's why. I didn't know that Cheshire cats always grinned. In fact, I didn't know that cats could grin. Oh, they all can. And most of them do. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to. I don't much care where. But it doesn't matter much which way you go. So long as I get somewhere. Oh, you're sure to do that. If only you keep walking long enough. What sort of people live about here? Well... In that direction lives a hatter, and in that direction lives a March Hare. Visit either you like. They're both mad. But I don't want to go among mad people. Oh, you can't help that. We're all mad here. I'm mad. You're mad. How do you know I'm mad? You must be, or you wouldn't have come here. And how do you know that you're mad? Well, let's see. A dog's not mad, you grant that? I suppose so. Well then, you see, a dog growls when it's angry and wags its tail when it's pleased. Now I growl when I'm pleased and wag my tail when I'm angry. Therefore, I'm mad. 
I call it purring, not growling. Call it what you like. Do you play croquet with the Queen today? I should like it very much, but I haven't been invited yet. You'll see me there. Oh, I wish you wouldn't keep appearing and vanishing so suddenly. You make one quite giddy. All right. This time, the cat vanished quite slowly, beginning with the end of the tail and ending with the grin, which remained some time after the rest of it had gone. Well, I've often seen a cat without a grin, but a grin without a cat? It's the most curious thing I ever saw in my life. Now, I've seen hatters before. The March Hare will be much the most interesting, and perhaps as this is May, it won't be raving mad. At least, not so mad as it was in March. She had not walked far before she came in sight of the house of the March Hare. She thought it must be the right house, because the chimneys were shaped like ears, and the roof was thatched with fur. There was a table set out under a tree in front of the house, and the March Hare and the Hatter were having tea at it. A Dormouse was sitting between them, fast asleep. The table was a large one, but the three were all crowded together at one corner of it. And when they saw Alice coming, they cried out, No room! No room! There's plenty of room. Have some wine. If you please, Mr. March Hare, I don't see any wine. Well, there isn't any. Then it wasn't very civil of you to offer it. It wasn't very civil of you to sit down without being invited. I didn't know it was your table. It's laid for a great many more than three. Your hair wants cutting. Mr. Hatter, you should learn not to make personal remarks. It's very rude. Yeah. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Oh, I believe I can guess that. You mean you think you can work out the answer? Exactly so. Well, then you should say what you mean. I do. At least, at least I mean what I say. That's the same thing, you know. <laughs> Not the same thing at all. You might just as well say that I see what I eat is the same thing as I eat what I see. Yeah, you might just as well say that I like what I get is the same thing as I get what I like. Oh, you might just as well say that I breathe when I sleep is the same thing as I sleep when I breathe. Oh, it is the same thing with you, Dormouse. What day of the month is it? The fourth. Oh, this watch is two days wrong. I told you butter wouldn't suit the works. Well, it was the best butter. Yes, but some crumbs must have gotten in with it as well. We shouldn't have put it in with the bread knife. Well, it was the best butter, you know. What a funny watch that is. It tells what day of the month and doesn't tell what o'clock it is. Why should it? Does your watch tell you what year it is? Of course not. But that's because it stays the same year for such a long time together. Which is just the case with mine. I don't quite understand you. Oh, the Dormouse is asleep again. Wake up! Oh! Oh! Of course! Of course! Just what I was going to remark myself. Have you guessed the riddle yet? No, I give up. What's the answer? 
I haven't the slightest idea. Nor I. I think you might do something better with the time than wasting it in asking riddles that have no answers. Well, if you knew time as well as I do, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. It is him. I don't know what you mean. Of course you don't. I dare say you've never even spoken to time. Perhaps not. But I know I have to beat time when I learn music. (gasps) Well, that accounts for it. He won't stand beating. Now, if only you kept on good terms with time, he'd do almost anything you liked with the clock. For instance, suppose it were nine o'clock in the morning. Just time for lessons to begin. You'd only have to whisper a hint to time, and round goes the clock in a twinkling. Half past one, time for dinner. I only wish it was. That would be grand, certainly, but then I shouldn't be hungry for it, you know. Oh, not at first, perhaps. But then you could keep it to half past one just as long as you liked. Is that the way you manage? Not I. We quarrelled last March. Just before the March Hare went mad, you know. It was at a great concert given by the Queen of Hearts, and I had to sing. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder what you're at. You know the song, perhaps? I've heard something like it. It goes on, you know, in this way. Up above the world you fly, like a tea tray in the sky. Twinkle, 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 twinkle. Well, I'd hardly finished the first verse when the Queen jumped up and bawled out, He's murdering the time, off with his head. How dreadfully savage. And ever since that, time won't do a thing I ask. It's always six o'clock now. Is that the reason so many tea things are put out here? Yes, that's it. It's always tea time and we've no time to wash the things up between whiles. Then you keep moving round, I suppose. Exactly so, as the things get used up. But what happens when you come to the beginning again? Suppose we change the subject. Take some more tea. I've had nothing yet, so I can't take more. You mean you can't take less? It's very easy to take more than nothing. Nobody asked your opinion. (laughs) Who's making personal remarks now? I want a clean cup. Let's all move one place on. Move round, move round, move round. The March Hare moved on as he spoke, and the Dormouse followed him. The March Hare moved into the Dormouse's place, and Alice rather unwillingly took the place of the March Hare. The Hatter was the only one who got any advantage from the change, and Alice was a good deal worse off than before, as the March Hare had just upset the milk jug into his plate. Really? If you ask me, I don't think... Then you shouldn't talk. This piece of rudeness was more than Alice could bear. She got up in great disgust and walked off. At any rate, I'll never go there again. It's the stupidest tea party I ever was at in all my life. Just as she said this, she noticed that one of the trees had a door leading right into it. That's very curious. But everything's curious today. I think I may as well go in at once. And in she went, and found herself at last in the beautiful garden, among the bright flower beds and the cool fountains. A large rose tree stood near the entrance of the garden, The roses growing on it were white, but there were two gardeners at it, busily painting them red. 
Alice thought this a very curious thing, and she went nearer to watch them. And just as she came up to them, she heard one of them say, Look out now, Five. Don't go splashing paint over me like that. I couldn't help it. You jogged me elbow. Oh, that's right, Five. Always laying the blame on others. You better not talk. I heard the Queen say only yesterday you deserve to be beheaded. What for? For bringing the cook tulip root instead of onions? Well, of all the unfair things. Excuse me. Would you tell me why you're painting those roses? Why, the fact is, you see, miss, this here ought to have been a red rose tree. And we put a white one in by mistake. And if the Queen was to find out, we should all have our heads cut off, you know. So, you see, miss, we're doing our best before she comes to get this one painted and... The Queen! The Queen! The Queen! The two gardeners instantly threw themselves flat upon their faces. There was a sound of many footsteps. And Alice looked round, eager to see the Queen. First came ten soldiers, carrying clubs. These were all shaped like the two gardeners, oblong and flat, with their hands and feet at the corners. Next, the ten courtiers, These were ornamented all over with diamonds and walked two and two as the soldiers did. Next came the guests, mostly kings and queens, and among them Alice recognised the white rabbit. He was talking in a hurried, nervous manner, smiling at everything that was said and went by without noticing her. Last of all this grand procession came the Queen of Hearts. we here? Who are you, child? My name is Alice. So it please, your majesty. Why, they're only a pack of cards, after all. I needn't be afraid of them. You two, get up. The two gardeners instantly jumped up and began bowing, and the queen turned to look at the rose tree. And what is this? How should I know? It's no business of mine. Off with her head! Off with... Nonsense! Hmm. Can you play croquet? Yes. Excellent. Follow me. Alice joined the procession, wondering very much what would happen next. Places, everyone! Places! Get to your places! Alice thought she had never seen such a curious croquet ground in her life. It was all ridges and furrows. The balls were live hedgehogs, the mallets live flamingos, and the soldiers had to double themselves up and to stand on their hands and feet to make the arches. I wish you the very best of luck, my dear, although it must be said, I am quite an excellent player. Have a good game. The 
chief difficulty Alice found at first was in managing her flamingo. Just as she had got its neck nicely straightened out and was going to give the hedgehog a blow with its head, it would twist itself round and look up in her face with such a puzzled expression that she could not help bursting out laughing. And when she had got its head down and was going to begin again, it was very provoking to find that the hedgehog had unrolled itself and was crawling away. Besides all of this, doubled-up soldiers were always getting up and walking off to other parts of the ground. Alice soon came to the conclusion that it was a very difficult game indeed. I don't think they play at all fairly, and they all quarrel so dreadfully one can't hear oneself speak, and they don't seem to have any rules in particular. At least, if there are, nobody attends to them. And you've no idea how confusing it is, all the things being alive. For instance, there's the arch I've got to go through next, walking about at the other end of the ground. And I should have croqueted the Queen's Hedgehog just now, only it ran away when it saw mine coming. And as for the Queen herself, well, she's so extremely... Yes, dear? Uh, likely to win, that it's hardly worth finishing the game. Oh, the game? The game is over, my dear, and I have won. And now, let the trial commence. What trial? Whose trial is it? <laughs> Why, my dear, yours. Mine? Silence in court, all of you. Silence, or I shall have you executed on the spot. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, silence, of course. <laughs> silence in the court. Excellent. And now, the sentence. Oh, not yet. Uh, not yet, Your Majesty. Oh, there's a great deal to come before that. Oh, very well, Rabbit. Call the first witness. First witness. First witness. Alice. Oh, oh. Alice. <laughs> of course. Now, child, give your evidence. And don't be nervous, or I'll have you executed on the spot. What do you know about this business? Nothing. Nothing whatever. Nothing whatever. That's very important. Unimportant, your majesty means, of course. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Unimportant, of course, I meant. Off with his head! No! No, Mr. Rabbit, you shan't be beheaded. I won't allow it. <gasps> Such insolence! Such insubordination! That proves her guilt! It proves nothing of the sort. Why, you don't even know what it's about. Oh! Goodness! What are you doing? Stop that at once, or I'll have you executed. I can't help it. I'm growing. You've no right to grow here. Rule 42. All persons more than a mile high to leave the court. I'm not a mile high. You are. Nearly two miles high. Well, I shan't go at any rate. Besides, that's not a regular rule. You invented it just now. It's the oldest rule in the book. Then it ought to be number one. Hold your tongue. I won't. 
off with her head. Who cares for you? You're nothing but a pack of cards. At this, the whole pack rose up into the air and came flying down upon her. She gave a little scream, half of fright and half of anger, and tried to beat them off, and found herself lying on the bank, with her head in the lap of her sister, who was gently brushing away some dead leaves that had fluttered down from the trees upon her face. Oh, I've had such a curious dream. And she told her sister, as well as she could remember them, all these strange adventures of hers that you have just heard, and thought to herself, what a wonderful dream it had been. A boat beneath a sunny sky, lingering onward dreamily in an evening of July. Children three that nestle near, eager eye and willing ear, pleased a simple tale to hear. Long had paled that sunny sky, echoes fade and memories die, autumn frosts have slain July. Still she haunts me, phantom-wise, Alice moving under skies never seen by waking eyes. Children yet the tale to hear, eager eye and willing ear, lovingly shall nestle near. In a wonderland they lie, dreaming as the days go by, dreaming as the summers die. Ever drifting down the stream, lingering in the golden gleam. Life, what is it? but a dream. Thank you for listening to Boxtail Soup's adaptation of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. This production was originally adapted for the stage from Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass and has been reimagined for audio. It was performed by Noel Byrne and Antonio Christophers with original music composed and performed by Dan Melrose. Hi again. Thanks for listening to the show and we really hope you enjoyed it. If you've already decided to help us, you can skip this part. But if not, I'm here to remind you. With all our performances cancelled, Boxtail Soup's future is a little uncertain at the moment. You can help us in one of three ways. First, if you can afford to, please consider becoming a patron. That means making a regular donation to Boxtail Soup, which helps to keep the company going and also gives you a few special perks just for patrons. Second, if you enjoyed the show but can't become a patron, then maybe you could give us a one-off donation. Think of it like the price of a ticket, only you get to decide the price of that ticket. Third, if you enjoyed it but you can't make a donation, then help us spread the word. Hit like, subscribe, leave a comment, tell your friends, share the show and help us reach more audience. Thanks for listening, and with your help, we'll see you in a theatre again someday soon.